a web of nightmares. The sleep clinic bore an atmosphere of sterile tranquility, its walls washed in soothing shades of blue and white. Among the soft glow of computer screens and the faint hum of MRI machines, five individuals sat, each engrossed in their own thoughts, their faces etched with varying degrees of anxiety and curiosity. Dr. Emily Thompson adjusted her lab coat and looked over her notes. She was excited and nervous as the orchestrator of this groundbreaking sleep study. Sarah, a young medical student with soft eyes and a cautious demeanor, glanced at her phone and then nervously looked around. John, a middle-aged man with a weary face and graying hair, clenched a leather briefcase in one hand and a flask in the other. With tattoos lining her arms and dark circles under her eyes, Lisa sat uncomfortably, twitching her leg up and down. Mark, in a perfectly ironed suit and a well-maintained beard, looked stoic but had a glint in his eyes that suggested more than mere business interest. Each had been experiencing hauntingly vivid dreams, dreams that felt more like visions than dreams. Lisa's dreams were a constant struggle for breath. She would wake up gasping, her face swollen in her nightmare, the feeling of her throat constricting so real that she could still feel it upon waking. Sarah dreamt of intense abdominal pain and a sense of overwhelming loss. It felt like she was in a hospital room, surrounded by medical professionals. But the dream would end before she could see their faces. John dreamt of a relentless pain in his abdomen, the sensation of his liver failing him. He felt his body weakening, the dream always ending with him collapsing onto the floor. Dr. Thompson dreamt of going under anesthesia, but in her dream, the anesthesia never wore off, and she would drift further and further away from consciousness. Mark had the most vivid dreams. He saw a table full of surgical instruments and felt a sharp pain in his chest. But what disturbed him the most was the laughter he heard, which seemed to come from a woman he couldn't place. All right, everyone, please settle down. We're about to begin the first phase of the study, Dr. Thompson announced, her voice tinged with excitement and caution. Before we proceed with the study's first phase, I'd like for each of you to briefly describe the nightmares you've been experiencing. Knowing the content of your dreams will help us better understand what we might encounter during this study. Lisa shifted uneasily in her seat. Okay. So it's like I'm choking, you know? My throat tightens up, and it feels like my airway's closing. My face swells, and I'm gasping for air but can't get any. It's like I'm suffocating slowly. And then I wake up, still feeling my throat closing. Sarah looked up, her eyes already tinged with the emotion she felt describing her nightmare. In my dream, I'm on an operating table, and my abdomen's in terrible pain. I feel like something is being taken from me, something vital. I can hear doctors and nurses talking, but their faces are blurred. And then I wake up, just feeling empty and lost. John took a deep breath. My dream is a bit hazy, but the pain is what stands out. It's in my abdomen, a sharp, throbbing pain. It feels like my insides are rotting. I can't stand up. I fall to the floor, and then everything goes black. Mark leaned back in his chair. 
In my dream, I'm in an operating room. I can see surgical instruments laid out, but what stands out is the intense pain in my chest. But what's truly unsettling is that I hear laughter, a woman's laughter, as if mocking me. Then I wake up. Dr. Thompson paused before sharing her own nightmare. I usually find myself in an operating room. I'm the patient, not the doctor. I go under anesthesia, but I never wake up. It's like I'm trapped in eternal unconsciousness, drifting further and further away from the real world. Dr. Thompson looked around the room, meeting each participant's eye. Thank you for sharing, everyone. This only emphasizes the importance of what we're doing here. Now, if you could please proceed to your respective MRI machines, we will begin the study. Each participant, now more connected by their shared vulnerability, climbed into their individual MRI machines. The machines hummed to life, echoing the palpable sense of apprehension and hope that filled the room. They all wanted answers, and as the MRI scans commenced, they each closed their eyes, hoping that the keys to understanding their disturbing dreams were within reach. Little did they know, the answers they would uncover would be far more unsettling than any of them could imagine. She paused, letting the words sink in. We're all here because we've been haunted by vivid, inexplicable nightmares. I believe this study could shed light on why. Dr. Thompson moved to her own recliner at the edge of the semicircle. I'll also be participating in the study to ensure we have comprehensive data. After ensuring everyone was comfortable and the electrodes were securely attached, she picked up a small remote. Ready? Let's begin. With a press of a button, the room's lights dimmed further, leaving only the soft glow of the monitors. Dr. Thompson put her own electrodes on, took a deep breath, and reclined. One by one, they closed their eyes, surrendering to the mysterious realm of sleep uncertain of what revelations lay ahead. The sleep clinic was a labyrinth of sterile hallways and dimly lit rooms, but the nerve center of it all was the control room where Dr. Emily Thompson sat, surrounded by a phalanx of screens. Each displayed neural fireworks, the brain activity of her subjects translated into colorful arcs and lines. She adjusted her white lab coat, a vestment of scientific endeavor, and refocused her eyes on the data. The patients, Mark, Lisa, Sarah, and John were in deep REM sleep, the stage where dreams or nightmares, in this case, unfurled. Utilizing the clinic's groundbreaking MRI technology, Dr. Thompson initiated the next phase of the study. With a few keystrokes, the machine began its detailed scan, mapping not just brain activity, but also attempting to decode the very fabric of their dreams. The room hummed with the resonance of magnetic fields, but Dr. Thompson felt a chill as if the machine was dredging up memories from a dark underwater cave. As the MRI projected the decoded dreams onto the adjacent screens, Dr. Thompson's eyes widened. All the dreams were set in the same environment, a hospital possibly from decades ago. Her heart began to race. She cross-referenced the MRI data and found a shocking pattern. All the characters in each dream were experiencing symptoms that led to their death in their past lives. Dr. Thompson's fingers hovered over the keyboard, 
her ethical training warring with her scientific curiosity. Should she wake them? Confront them with the reality that they were not just reliving, but also potentially resolving past life murders? The intercom buzzed, jolting her from her thoughts. Dr. Thompson, I felt it again. The choking, the gasping. It's like I'm dying. Lisa's voice was tinged with raw panic. Stay calm, Lisa. We're breaking new ground here, revealing things that might be deeply unsettling. Dr. Thompson tried to modulate her voice, knowing how crucial her role was as the moral compass for them all. We're not just dreaming, are we? Mark's voice broke through, his tone betraying a hint of realization, maybe even accusation. Dr. Thompson sighed. The time for revelations had come. No, you're not just dreaming. All of you are reliving the symptoms that led to your ancestors' deaths. The setting the hospital is common among you because those deaths occurred there. A tense silence filled the intercom, each participant wrestling with the gravity of her words. It was Sarah who finally spoke, her voice quivering. Are we cursed to repeat the past, then? Dr. Thompson leaned closer to the microphone. I believe this could be a form of genetic memory. Your past lives are not just metaphysical beliefs, but perhaps encoded in your very DNA. We are on the brink of proving that. We're going back in, Mark's voice had a steely resolve. We need to see this through, for better or worse. Dr. Thompson hesitated, then nodded, even though they couldn't see her. All right, prepare for another session. This time, we'll induce a state of hypnosis to enhance dream clarity. Ready? A chorus of agreement buzzed through the intercom. Dr. Thompson initiated the hypnosis protocol, her fingers dancing over the keys as she engaged the advanced settings of the MRI machine. As the machine whirred, the room seemed to darken, as if the very walls were closing in. Dreamscape investigation, unveiling the past life murders. As the subjects fell deeper into hypnosis-induced sleep, the MRI hummed with a low, almost sentient growl. Dr. Thompson's eyes were glued to the screens as the dreams unfolded with unnerving clarity. Each patient was now in the same old, decrepit hospital, their faces etched with the terror of realization. Lisa's dream played out first. She was in a hospital bed, and a nurse approached her with a peanut butter sandwich. Her eyes widened in horror as she felt her throat close up. The nurse smirked, a grotesque satisfaction filling her face. Lisa gasped for air, clawing at her throat before everything went black. John was next. He lay on another hospital bed, his eyes flitting open to see a syringe being emptied into his IV. He felt a surge of pain, his liver feeling like it was on fire. The nurse this time was the same as in Lisa's dream, and she winked at him as his vision blurred into darkness. Sarah was in a delivery room, screaming in agony. The same nurse was there, now administering a drug into her IV. Sarah felt her body go limp, a pool of blood forming beneath her. She looked up, locking eyes with the nurse as life drained out of her. Dr. Thompson's hands trembled. 
the nurse in all their dreams, the murderer, looked eerily similar to Mark. With her heart pounding, Dr. Thompson cross-referenced the hospital records she had secretly acquired for the study. It was as she feared. Each of their ancestors had died under mysterious circumstances, and all were attended by a nurse who was a spitting image of Mark. She unmuted the intercom, her voice shaking. Wake up, everyone. We have much to discuss. The subjects sat in a semicircle, their faces ashen, but eyes ablaze with a cocktail of emotions, anger, fear, confusion. Dr. Thompson took a deep breath. You were all murdered in your past lives by a man who is the spitting image of Mark here. And you, Mark, were the reincarnation of the murderer. heavy silence descended upon the room, each absorbing the staggering truth. Finally, Mark spoke, his voice icy calm. So, what's the plan? Turn me into the police for crimes my past self committed? We can't. Dr. Thompson's voice was tinged with bitterness. Legal systems aren't prepared for this kind of evidence. But we need to decide how to handle this, ethically, morally. And who are you to judge ethics? Mark sneered, his eyes narrowing. If we're digging up the past, maybe we should look into why you all deserve to die. A chill swept through the room. Each looked at the other, their moral compasses spinning wildly, unanchored. It was Lisa who finally shattered the silence. You can't justify murder past life or not! Mark's eyes were like blazing infernos, consuming everything in their path. The room trembled under the weight of his sanctimonious fury. His gaze settled on Lisa, pinning her to her seat like a butterfly to a specimen board. The room was hushed, as if the walls themselves were waiting in dread for what would come next. Lisa, he hissed, drawing out the syllables as if tasting a bitter poison. Let's talk about you, shall we? You, the reincarnation of that pathetic, drug-addled creature, a woman so detestable, so morally bankrupt that she was more married to the needle than to the concept of a decent life. His voice rose, filling the room like a dark storm cloud. Don't you dare look at me with those innocent eyes. Your soul is as black as the abyss, a cesspool of sin and degradation. Do you think you're a victim? No, you're a plague, a walking, talking disease, unworthy of the air you breathe. Mark's hand gestured in the air as if he were banishing a demon. Your ancestor was a disgrace, a blight upon the earth. She squandered her life on narcotics, a slave to her own debauched cravings. She was nothing but human refuse, and my ancestor took it upon himself to do what society was too weak to do. Eradicate the filth. His eyes narrowed into slits, his words practically dripping with contempt. You think your life has value? That you deserve to walk this earth? You're as worthless as she was. A wretched woman who was so ensnared in her addiction that she could barely recognize her own face in the mirror. She was a sinner, a reprobate, a soul so tainted that not even the fires of hell could cleanse her. Mark leaned in closer, his voice dropping to a venomous whisper. Peanut butter. That's all it took. A mere smudge on her already contaminated skin. And she swelled up 
gasping for air, her eyes bulging in terror. It was poetic, really. A fitting end for someone so utterly unimportant, so completely insignificant. He pulled back, taking a moment to catch his breath, his chest heaving like a bellows stoking the fires of hell. My ancestor was an avenging angel, a divine executioner. He was the hand of God, cleansing the world of such vermin as your predecessor. And if I had the chance, I would do it again a thousand times over just to rid the world of your vile lineage. His face flushed a deep shade of crimson, his eyes wild with a mad gleam. So tell me, Lisa, do you still think you're innocent? Do you still think you deserve to live, to carry on this legacy of filth and sin? You're a mistake, a cosmic error, a soul that should have never been. As his voice echoed through the room, it was as if the very walls were recoiling from the weight of his words, the air thickening into a miasma of hate and loathing. The atmosphere was suffused with darkness so palpable it felt like a living entity, an embodiment of the malevolent force that had seized Mark's soul. Mark's eyes shifted, locking onto Sarah with a force that felt like a stranglehold. The air in the room seemed to grow even more oppressive, as if all light were being sucked into a dark vortex centered on Mark's furious visage. And now, Sarah, he sneered, his voice a caustic blend of disdain and self-righteousness. Ah, the sanctity of motherhood, a role you imagine is your divine right. But let's not forget what you truly are, a mere continuation of another wretched soul who dared to bring life into this world, a life conceived in sin. His eyes widened, manic in their intensity. A child out of wedlock, Sarah, a devil spawn of a woman too lecherous, too careless to understand the sacred responsibility of motherhood. My ancestor saw through her, saw the disease of immorality that was about to be perpetuated through another generation. Mark's face contorted as if tasting something foul. And what did he do? He did the merciful thing, the godly thing. He severed that unholy lineage before it could sink its roots deeper into the earth. He administered a drug, a mere nudge toward the eternal abyss, ensuring that her excessive bleeding became her final undoing. He loomed over Sarah, his words becoming almost a guttural growl. So there she lay on that table, gasping her last breaths, her life slipping through her fingers like sand through an hourglass. It was a cleansing, Sarah, a purification rite carried out by a man anointed by the divine to rid the world of such abominations. His voice reached a near screaming pitch. Do you understand now? Do you grasp the gravity of what you represent? A continuation of an unholy legacy that should have been extinguished long ago? You sit there acting the victim, but you're nothing more than a vessel of sin, a blight upon the moral landscape. Mark stepped back, shaking as if possessed, his face a mask of unhinged fanaticism. How dare you sit there in your pretend innocence, seeking sympathy? If my ancestor were here, he would look you in the eyes and tell you that your very existence is a mockery of all that is holy and just. As he spoke, it felt as though the room itself were closing in, the walls pulsating with a malevolent energy that emanated from Mark. His words were a battering ram against the soul, an unrelenting assault that sought to demolish any semblance of moral high ground. 
his listeners might have thought they had. As Mark's piercing gaze shifted from Sarah to John, it was as though a storm of malevolence had found its new target, and the tempest grew ever more ferocious. Ah, John, Mark began, his voice dripping with disdain. A man whose very existence was a testament to debauchery and self-destruction. You believe yourself to be the result of free will, but you are merely the spawn of your ancestor's insatiable lust for indulgence, his unquenchable thirst for the devil's nectar. Mark's voice rose, filled with righteous anger. You see, John's ancestor was a pitiable wretch, a man whose liver teetered on the brink of collapse, the culmination of a lifetime of vice and moral decay. But my ancestor, in his wisdom, recognized this as an opportunity, a chance to cleanse the world of one more sinner. He paced like a predator circling its prey. John's ancestor's body was already a cesspool of toxins, a testament to a life lived in defiance of all that is pure and virtuous. So what did my ancestors do? He didn't need to resort to grand gestures or elaborate schemes. No, he chose a subtler path. Mark's lips curled into a sinister smile. He administered a dose of acetaminophen, hidden within a cocktail of medications, a poison chalice that would slowly but inexorably lead to his demise. The symptoms, at first, seemed like the natural consequence of his own reckless actions, a fitting end for a man who had long ago forsaken the path of righteousness. His eyes bore into John's, filled with an unholy fervor. As the acetaminophen began its insidious work, John's liver, already on the verge of collapse, betrayed him completely. It failed with shocking rapidity, leaving those around him to believe it was just another inevitable consequence of his unbridled excess. Mark's voice took on a taunting tone, like a demon reveling in another's downfall. And you, John, you bear the legacy of this wanton decadence. You wear it like a crown of thorns, a reminder that your very existence is steeped in sin, a testament to the depths to which humanity can sink when it abandons all sense of virtue. He stood over John, his words a suffocating weight. You thought yourself free from judgment, didn't you? But you are nothing more than the culmination of your ancestors' reckless abandon, a living monument to the consequences of a life lived in defiance of all that is holy. Mark's laughter echoed through the room, a chilling cackle that seemed to reverberate in the depths of his soul. Oh, John, you thought you could escape the past, but you are bound by the sins of your bloodline, forever tainted by the actions of your forebearer. As Mark's accusatory tirade continued, his attention shifted to Dr. Thompson, and a shroud of darkness seemed to envelop the room. Dr. Thompson. Mark's voice resonated with chilling condemnation. A woman who dared to call herself a healer, a guardian of the human psyche. But in the eyes of my ancestor, she was nothing but a vile desecrator of the sacred realms of the mind and soul. Mark's words dripped with contempt as he painted a vivid picture of Dr. Thompson's ancestor. She was a pioneer, they said a pioneer in the field of lobotomies, a practice that history would later deem an abomination, a grotesque violation of the very essence of humanity. 
But in her time, she was hailed as a savior, a deliverer of troubled souls from the torment of their own minds. He paced, the weight of his words pressing down on the room like a tombstone. My ancestor, however, saw through the facade of supposed progress. He recognized the darkness that lurked behind her surgical instruments, the malevolence that danced in her eyes as she laid waste to the minds of those entrusted to her care. A sinister grin crept across Mark's face, and so he seized an opportunity, a chance to rid the world of this corrupt healer, this self-proclaimed savior of shattered minds. It was a routine procedure, nothing more than a blip on the hospital's chaotic radar. And in that chaos, he found the perfect cover. Mark's eyes bore into the imagined scene, his words a chilling testament to his ancestor's cunning. As Dr. Thompson's ancestor lay there, vulnerable and unsuspecting, my ancestor administered a lethal dose of anesthesia, a final act of retribution for the countless minds she had mutilated. As she drifted into an eternal slumber, he worked quickly, tampering with her medical records, making it appear as though a simple miscalculation had occurred. The room seemed to echo with the weight of Mark's revelation. Amidst the turmoil of emergencies that frequently engulfed the hospital, her death was chalked up as a tragic mistake, a footnote in the annals of medical history. And so, the world continued to sing her praises, blind to the darkness that had truly consumed her. Mark's voice dropped to a sinister whisper. Dr. Thompson, you carry the legacy of a woman who thought herself a healer, but was nothing more than a harbinger of suffering. You are the product of her twisted practices, a reminder that even those who claim to mend the broken can be the very ones who shatter them beyond repair. The room seemed to close in on Mark as he continued his accusatory tirade, his rage intensifying with every word. His priestly vestments hung on him like a shroud of judgment, and his eyes burned with an unholy fire. My own wife, Mark seethed, his voice dripping with venom. The one who should have been my salvation, my partner in the divine mission, she too succumbed to the darkness, to the impurity that plagues this world. He paced the room with long, deliberate strides, the air heavy with the weight of his hatred. She discovered the righteousness of my cause, the sacred duty I had undertaken to cleanse this world of sinners, and how did she respond? She, the one who should have stood by my side, betrayed me in the most insidious way. Mark's fingers clenched into fists, his knuckles white with anger. She tampered with my heart medication and crushed the pills into my lunch as if I were some common criminal. She knew that my heart was the vessel of divine justice, the instrument through which I would purify this world. His voice rose to a crescendo, echoing through the chamber like a thunderclap. As I lay dying, writhing in agony, she played the role of the grieving wife, the attending nurse who oversaw my descent into darkness. She watched unmoved as I gasped for breath, as my righteous heart faltered and failed. Mark's eyes bore into an invisible adversary, his hatred unrelenting. She believed that by ending my life she could extinguish the flames of righteousness that burned within me. But she underestimated the depth of my conviction, the unwavering resolve to fulfill my sacred duty. 
A twisted smile crossed Mark's lips, a chilling expression of his fanaticism. And now, here we stand, the descendants of those who fell by my hand. You, who carry the tainted blood of sinners, who dare to question the divine purpose that guided my hand. His voice became a torrent of condemnation, a torrential downpour of fury and bitterness. You are all guilty, every one of you. Guilty of the sins of your ancestors. Guilty of doubting the divine purpose that fueled my righteous cause. You deserved to die, just as they did. You deserved to pay for your sins, for your doubts, for your very existence. Mark's anger surged like a tidal wave, threatening to engulf everyone in the room. I may have fallen at the hands of my own wife, but my mission lives on in each of you. You will carry the burden of your forebears' sins, and you will know the torment of doubt and guilt. And in the end, you will all pay for your transgressions. As Mark's final words hung in the air, a suffocating silence descended upon the room, the weight of his hatred leaving an indelible mark on the hearts of those who had borne witness to his unholy rage. Before anyone could react, Mark lunged for the door, his survival instincts kicking in. The room erupted into chaos, each person torn between their ethics and the visceral need for justice or perhaps revenge. John and Lisa managed to grab Mark, dragging him back into the room. Sarah, paralyzed by her moral dilemma, sank to the floor, tears streaming down her face. Dr. Thompson stood there, shocked and frightened at the revelation of what had just transpired. In an explosive eruption of raw, primal fury, Mark shattered his restraints, his body a vessel for the pent-up guilt that had festered within him for years. It was as if the very gates of hell had burst open and all the demons of his conscience had been unleashed. With a frenzied battle cry that reverberated through the chamber, Mark closed the distance between himself and Dr. Thompson in an instant. In his hand, a gleaming scalpel materialized as if conjured by some malevolent sorcery, its blade shimmering with malevolence. The room quivered with the palpable aura of impending doom. Time seemed to slow as Mark's eyes locked onto Dr. Thompson. His visage transformed into a mask of chilling and terrifying clarity. His features were contorted, his pupils dilated with a madness that defied comprehension. It was the look of a man who had stared into the abyss and found it staring back, a man consumed by the darkness he had nurtured. Before anyone could react, Mark thrust the scalpel forward with a speed and precision that bordered on the supernatural. It pierced the air with a sinister hiss aimed unerringly at the heart of Dr. Thompson. The room held its breath as if even the walls were paralyzed by the impending cataclysm. The scalpel found its mark, sinking into Dr. Thompson's flesh with a sickening and gruesome finality. Her eyes widened in shock, her mouth opened as if to scream, but only a strangled gasp escaped her lips. Crimson blossomed around the blade, staining her pristine white coat in a grotesque tableau of violence. Mark's voice, a haunting whisper of malevolence, seethed with dark satisfaction as he delivered his chilling proclamation. 
As you descend into the abyss, tell the ferryman it was I who dragged your wretched soul down here once more. Tell him to keep you here in hell, or I'll find you again in the next life. In that harrowing moment, the boundaries between sanity and madness, guilt and redemption, blurred into oblivion. Dr. Thompson fell to the floor, gasping, her eyes locking onto Marks with a mixture of horror and disbelief. Blood oozed around the scalpel's handle, staining her white lab coat a gruesome red. Marks stood there, his face ashen but eyes ablaze. You wanted to play God? To judge me for past sins? Look where it got you. Sarah, snapping out of her moral paralysis, rushed to Dr. Thompson's side, desperately trying to stem the flow of blood. Someone call an ambulance, she screamed, her voice tinged with despair. Lisa and John looked at each other, their eyes meeting in a moment of unspoken agreement. With a swift, almost synchronized motion, they tackled Mark to the ground, pinning him with a ferocity born of ancestral rage. Sarah looked up, her hands soaked in Dr. Thompson's blood. She's gone, her voice barely a whisper. The room plunged into a heavy silence, each grappling with the weight of their collective guilt and individual moralities. John finally broke the silence, his voice heavy. We need to decide what to do with him and us. Lisa looked at Mark, her eyes cold. He needs to pay for this, for everything. Mark chuckled, a hollow sound that sent shivers down their spines. And what gives you the right to be my judge, jury, and executioner? Sarah, her eyes red, stood up. My child will not be born into a world where murderers walk free. With a sudden, almost frenzied motion, she picked up the scalpel that had killed Dr. Thompson and plunged it into Mark, right where his heart would be. The room fell silent, each absorbing the gravity of what they had just participated in. Mark gasped, a look of bewilderment crossing his face before he slumped to the floor, lifeless. The police report later read that Mark had suffered a psychotic break, killing Dr. Thompson before being subdued by the group in self-defense. Sarah, Lisa, and John were left to grapple with the ethical implications of their actions, their moral compasses forever scarred. As each went their separate ways, they couldn't shake off the haunting possibility that their violent resolution had set into motion another cycle of karmic retribution, a web of nightmares that would ensnare generations yet unborn.